It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We preview the Baltimore Ravens Week 6 matchup with the New York Giants and more coming up next here on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. Of course, we're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. That also includes over on YouTube in video format. Today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. And we are here today previewing the Ravens week six matchup with the Giants. The Giants coming in at four and one. The Ravens coming in at three and two. And it's just me today riding solo. We tried and tried and tried. Kaji Ismail and I, who's our usual Friday guest, to get a stream going. But at the time we were supposed to stream, the video streaming service was down and wasn't working. And we tried for so long. So it's just me today so shout out to Q for everything and sitting sitting through that and also shout out to you the reverse jinx last week on the Bengals which he said he picked the Bengals to win the Ravens ultimately win that game but we're going to be talking about the Ravens and Giants here today in this episode diving into the Ravens offense first the Giants defense the the Greg Roman versus Don Martindale chess match in the second segment we're going to be diving into the Ravens defense going up against that Giants offense in the final segment also but in the first segment, I do want to just dive into the Ravens injury report for Thursday. And obviously today is Friday, so we'll see how it ends up playing out over the rest of the week. But some players who are looking iffy for the Ravens to play are also going to talk a bit about Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo in this first segment. So let's dive into the content here. Thank you so much for supporting the show, though. If you're here with us for your first episode or for your 830th episode, that's how many episodes it is for me here today, 830 consecutive Unlocked on Ravens. Be sure to subscribe to this channel, like the video if you want to support in video form and audio form. Be sure to follow along anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And again, thank you so much for tuning in, coming along for the ride here. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at chaosstrike at 34 and the Locked on Ravens account at Locked on Ravens. So let's talk about now the Ravens injury report for Thursday as they head into this matchup. And there are some key names on it, a couple of them due to rest, but the ones that I want to talk about are injury. Now, there was a key player who returned to practice on Thursday in a limited fashion, and that is running back Justice Hill. Now, I'm super excited about this. Unclear whether he'll play. Obviously, it'll probably come down to what he's able to do today on Friday and also just whether the Ravens feel like he's good enough to go, whether Hill feels comfortable enough on that hamstring to go. For those who forget, and it didn't happen that long ago, but Hill in the Week 4 game against Buffalo <laughs> ended up – Injuring his hamstring, and I'm laughing because 
he ended up carrying the ball after he got hurt for an extra like nine yards. Obviously, no laughing matter. He got injured or anything, but it's incredible. It's like an incredible thing that he was able to do where he gets injured. And that part is super unfortunate. But the funny part is that he was able to go and run for like nine or 10 yards on an injured hamstring, which is amazing. So he's been the Ravens. Well, J.K. Dobbins has looked great. But before J.K. Dobbins got back to J.K. Dobbins, he was the Ravens most consistent runner their best runner outside of Lamar Jackson obviously in, in the running back room I'm talking about so getting him back to compliment Dobbins we haven't seen obviously a ton this year from Kenyon Drake or Mike Davis and once Gus Edwards comes back we'll have to have a different conversation about those two guys of which one is the odd man out because I don't see them keeping five running backs if I had to pick right now personally I, I'd probably say Mike Davis is the odd man out I just I just have not seen anything from him this year that warrants Ravens keeping him on the roster, but he'll return to practice on Thursday after injuring his hamstring in week four and toughing it out for that final play before leaving the game there. But the other key ones in this injury report, we have Ben Cleveland, who did not practice for the second straight day due to, due to a foot injury. It doesn't feel like he's going to be able to suit up if he doesn't at least log a limited practice on Friday here. But same thing with Rashad Bateman and Justin Houston. Both Bateman and Houston did not practice for the second straight day, so much like Ben Cleveland. Unless they practice in a limited fashion on Friday, very, very unlikely that they will suit up in this game against the Giants. Bateman obviously was seen leaving the stadium in a boot after week four. And it is a big loss for the offense. We did see, we, we've seen the offense without Bateman for a week. He didn't play in week five against Cincinnati. So as I've talked about, everybody moves a rung up on the ladder. Devin DuVernay is impressed. Devin DuVernay has been a player that has stepped up to the task. And again, is, is somebody who I think is everything and more that the Ravens wanted out of their young wide receivers when they decided to trust him. But you also have Houston who had a phenomenal start to the year, injured his groin a couple weeks ago, hasn't suited up for a couple of games here. So Baltimore, if he's not able to suit up in this one, is going to be relying on, again, the likes of Jason Pierre-Paul, Leonard Afe Owe, maybe Brandon Copeland gets a call up, but there is a bit of, well, not a bit. There is a lot of positive development in that outside linebacker room. Not necessarily immediate contributions coming from these guys, but Ty Dowser and David Ajabo both returned to practice on Wednesday. It, it's it's an amazing thing because, especially for Ajabo, Bowser, his injury happened a couple months before Ajabo's. Both players tore their Achilles. Bowser in January during week 18 and Ajabo in March during Michigan's pro day. But for these two guys to be able to go through the work that they had to go through to get back from their injuries, go through the rehab process, it's a long and grueling process. You know, it can get you physically and can get you mentally. So big shout out to both of those players as they continue their quest to get back on the field here. I know there's been some, some speculation. Oh, could they be activated for Sunday? No, I, I, I don't think so. I know John Harbaugh didn't necessarily want to rule out Bowser, but I, I pretty much, you know, feel like coming off of that injury with how the Ravens have managed their other guys who have come off major injuries this year, such as JK Dobbins, Marcus Peters, Ronnie Stanley, would it, would it be pretty shocking to see Tyus Bowser return to practice and then less than a week later have him out there on the field on Sunday. And I think a lot of Ravens fans also don't want him on the field on Sunday because of the MetLife turf monster that has caused so many injuries. I know players have been very, outspoken about the fact that they do not like turf it should all be grass and I agree I think it all should be grass but you still have the turf up there at MetLife so I know Ravens fans are saying don't put them on the field don't risk that and I think the same thing with Jabo where it'll probably take I think a Jabo we're definitely going to see 
after the bye at the earliest that I wouldn't anticipate him coming back before that. Maybe he does. And honestly, I hope if, if he's feeling good, feeling healthy and ready to go, he's out there as soon as possible. Same thing with Tyus Bowser, but with the injury timelines for the two Bowser and then Ajabo with January and March, it makes sense that we might see Bowser a couple of weeks before we see Ajabo. But we'll see. It's, it's all a very fluid situation. When they both come back, they'll likely be on pitch counts, much like we've seen. Because just the, just the fact that they're out there is super, super encouraging. I know we've talked about here on the show for many months about a couple of things. One, I think that Tyus Bowser solves a lot of their problems at outside linebacker from one, just a pure depth and health perspective. Getting a healthy Tyus Bowser back is such an asset. But what he brings, being able to play that Sam linebacker position so effectively, he was Baltimore's most consistent defender in 2021. He led the team in sacks. He showed the growth in that area. He, he had added opportunities. A lot of people were wondering, how was he going to provide, you know, the, the defense with, is it going to be tackles? Is it going to be sacks? Is it going to be covers? Is it going to be fumbles? Where is he going to provide for them? He did it everywhere. I mean, he was everywhere on the field for them in 2021. And with the opportunities he got, there were also questions about, was he going to be able to produce as a pass rusher? He really hadn't gotten opportunities to shine there, but it's shown potential and he got his opportunity, and he absolutely ran with it. So super excited for Ty Spouser to get back on the field. And David Ajabo just burst onto the scene at Michigan during his final year there. There's so much potential. And this is a guy, again, would have been a first-round pick if he wasn't injured. I know there's been a ton of conversation about David Ajabo versus George Pickens. Who should the Ravens have taken? I'm, I'm on the David Ajabo train. I mean, look, I, and I loved George Pickens as a prospect. I would have loved him in Baltimore. But if you gave me the option to take David Ajabo or George Pickens there, I am taking I'm taking David Ajabo. I, I am. Now, Pickens is close. It, it's very close. But I think Ajabo just has so much potential. And I think Pickens is going to be really good for a really long time, which is unfortunate for the Ravens because he's obviously in Pittsburgh. But I think Ajabo, just the potential that he has, this was a guy that was mocked to Baltimore at 14 before his injury and would have gone in that range if he wasn't injured. We just have so much that we have yet to see from him. In fact, we have everything we have to see. He hasn't done anything yet at the NFL level. So I'm going to preach patience with David Ajabo. Definitely. He is a bit, he's more of a raw er prospect coming out. Can definitely make an early impact. I'm not saying he's a project player. He has tools and he has skills, but I'm just super excited to see both of them on the field because what was a position of weakness, well, I'll say a position of, of iffiness for the Ravens with lack of health, guys like Justin Houston missing some time. You have to, you have to rely on guys who maybe you weren't anticipating to rely on. That group of Adafi Owe and Jason Pierre-Paul and Justin Houston adds Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo at some point. You're looking at a top five of Adafi Owe, Jason Pierre-Paul, Justin Houston, David Ajabo, and Tyus Bowser. That, to me, is an extreme position of strength, something that I think the Ravens can really work with. Versatility, pass rush ability, setting the edge ability, run defense ability. You have everybody who can do something a little different from the other, but it all meshes into one, and that's what I really, really like about that unit. So big shout-out to both those guys for fighting through their recoveries and getting back to where they are, and hopefully we'll see them on the field as soon as possible and as soon as they're ready to get back out there. Coming up here, though, in our second segment of Locked on Ravens, we're going to be diving into our full game preview of the Ravens Week 6 matchup with the Giants, starting off with the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens versus the defensive side of the ball for the Giants. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about LinkedIn 
And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've used LinkedIn for a ton of things in my life. It's super, super helpful. And it's also super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You can add the purple hiring frame in your job to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. You have simple tools you can use like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And there's obviously a lot of talk about finishing the year strong and the right team member can help you do that, especially in your small business. While the small business is right, LinkedIn Jobs number one delivering quality hires first leading competitors, and then job helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. The post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back here with our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you. And we are going to now dive into the week six matchup, full game preview, Ravens-Giants. The Ravens traveling up to the Meadowlands for the second time in a span of six weeks. Got the Ravens win against the Jets in week one. Now you got the Giants in week six for Baltimore. And there are a couple storylines that I want to focus on for the offensive side of the ball. We talked to Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants about these a little bit. I want to go a bit more in depth on them. And if you want to check out that crossover Thursday episode, I highly recommend Patricia was great giving us some Giants info over there. But I think the one that everybody's looking at right now, we all know about Lamar Jackson, and that's a big storyline in itself. We'll get to Lamar. But Greg Roman versus Don Martindale in particular, just Don Martindale. Don Martindale's been the talk of town this week. Obviously, his departure from Baltimore this offseason signs on, but the Giants is their defensive coordinator and has that defense playing really, really well. Currently, the 11th rated pass defense in terms of net yards per attempt, 27th in rush defense. So that's been the area there's been a bit of weakness, but Don Martindale has not gone away from his blitzing ways. The Giants are number one in blitz percentage. They are number two in total blitzes. So Don Martindale, if you thought he was going to go away from that blitzing style, you are you are mistaken. He is absolutely doing that. 43.3% blitz percentage, 77 total blitzes, as I alluded to there earlier. And it's a shift from what the Ravens are doing on defense with Mike McDonald. We'll talk about that in the final segment. But he has talented playmakers on that defense. I know multiple guys have come over from Baltimore over the past year or so. Over on that defense, Jihad Ward, Tony Jefferson, a couple of other guys who you can point to as well. The Giants defense, it's been a unit that over the past couple of years, not really good, not great at all. They've had some of the playmakers, but just the, the coaching's been bad or the actual players they've gotten in, they've had injuries. But Don Martindale, I think, has reinvented that group. The players are responding to him and the players love Don Martindale in Baltimore, but it just felt like, and Don Martindale talked about this during the week, Felt like it was time, and John Harbaugh felt like it was time, and it, there seems really like there's no bad blood between those guys, and a, a change was needed, and that's all it really comes down to. So for Don Martindale, how is he going to attack Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense? Well, the answer is in front of you. You know, it's it's going to be blitzing, but 
the key thing with Lamar Jackson this year is he has been mega effective against the blitz. And I know there were questions coming into the year. How was the Ravens offense going to figure out the blitz? Can Lamar Jackson respond? What if they see cover zero looks? An example is the Dolphins tried it in week two and Lamar Jackson ate it up. He ate the blitz up. And it's it's a couple of things that go into it. One, I think the decision making from Jackson in those situations, he has slowed down. I think I think the game continues to slow down for him. Not that it wasn't slow before, but it continues to slow down for him. And he's able to see some of these things like, oh, I should take this check down here. I should take take this short pass here. Not that he can't make stuff happen. You know, get getting outside the pocket, making a throw on the run, getting yards with his legs. He can do that. But sometimes when there are six, seven, eight guys coming at you, you just get the ball to a receiver and there aren't as many defenders in the open field to make miss or to have to deal with. And I think that can be your ultimate blitz beater. The short passing game, the screen game is an extension of not only the run game, but it's a blitz beater. And I think Lamar Jackson's done a great job of that this season. And if the Ravens want to get a couple of deep shots going early to see what they can do, the Ravens have wanted to push the ball down the field this year. Lamar Jackson actually super efficient too. I mean, touchdown wise, he still leads the league in touchdown percentage through five weeks, 8.1%. Patrick Mahomes comes in at number two. It's 7.9. But we've seen the efficiency. We've seen, I think, tons of improvement from Jackson overall. But this is a situation, and I know this has also been talked about by players and coaches throughout the week, that Look, Lamar Jackson knows Don Martindale, but Don Martindale knows Lamar Jackson, right? It's kind of a give and take where you have, I guess, insider information both ways, but this isn't the same Lamar Jackson it was last year. This isn't the same Don Martindale it was last year as well, and it isn't the same Greg Roman. It's not the same Greg Roman. Now, a key for the Ravens in this game offensively is going to be second half adjustments, just adjustments in general. I think Baltimore has been able to start games very strong for the most part, not totally, but for the most part, we've seen it. And I think when it comes to adjustments, sometimes they can be a bit lacking. I think offensive second half adjustments and also defensive, we'll talk about those two, but offensive second half adjustments just to be able to get points on the board. I mean, Baltimore didn't score in the second half against the Bills in week four in their second half offense. Well, the second half, this whole offensive game against the Bengals wasn't wonderful for them, but in the second half, they were only able to muster nine points, all those coming on field goals. So Baltimore only had one touchdown. It was in the first half, and they only mustered field goals in the second half. So being able to pick up where they left off, I guess, offensively, if they do get off to a strong start. If they get off to a strong start in week six, they go up 14 to three or 17 to three or something. They have to continue that momentum and adjust to what the Giants are giving them even when the Giants adjust themselves, because the Giants, of course, will make adjustments. So the Ravens have to adjust to the adjustments. (laughs) It goes both ways. I'm also looking forward to seeing J.K. Dobbins in this game. It feels like he is chomping at the bit. He has made multiple hints. He's provided those throughout the week that he wants more carries, and I understand him. I think he deserves more carries, honestly. He made clear this week that he has not had more than 15 carries in a game in his career which is honestly kind of crazy. I I know the Ravens do the, it's it's not the bell cow approach. They obviously want to work different guys in. And I know Gus Edwards has played a big part in that, but JK Dobbins is by far your best runner, you know? And I think for in the running back room, at least. And I think that for a team that is going to be relying, I think on the run game a little bit more this time around and not saying the more is not going to pass the ball effectively, but the giants with that 27th rated rush defense, I try to take advantage of that. The Ravens offensive line is playing really well. I think the pass protection has been better than the run blocking. That's not to say the run blocking has been bad, 
but take advantage of that. You know, you're going to have some interior presence there in New York. Dexter Lawrence, maybe Leonard Williams is going to be able to suit up in this one. We'll see. But those are some big guys. If you can block that, if Tyler Linderbaum can have a great game against Dexter Lawrence, if they can combo block, if they can get to the second level, I think J.K. Dobbins can feast against that Giants run defense, and that will open up the passing game. The Giants are dealing with a couple injuries in their secondary, so we'll see how that works out and how that shapes up. Now, if Bateman isn't able to play, it's the same stuff we talked about last week in terms of Devin Duvernay stepping up, being that number one guy. But then can Demarcus Robinson make an impact? James Prochet, Tyler Wallace. Wallace should have had a touchdown. Same thing with Duvernay. Obviously, Jackson with those two overthrows and three plays. It's going to be interesting, though, to see what they're able to do. And I'm looking at Baltimore's actual number one pass catcher. It's not a wide receiver. It's a tight end in Mark Andrews. And I would anticipate the Giants trying to take away Mark Andrews as much as possible. Andrews still against Cincinnati. It was the same situation, and he was still able to feast 8 for 89 in a score. He is that good. And honestly, it's the best tight end in the NFL right now, in my opinion. I know Travis Kelsey had the four touchdowns. I know he did, but only 25 yards. I, th- I think Andrews just provides a ton. And it's very it's very 1A, 1B either way between Andrews and Kelsey. But I think that Andrews is still playing with like, like, like the best tight end in football right now. That is, that is my opinion. So I think that Baltimore has the ability on offense to put up points on this Giants defense. I think that they'll be able to definitely go over 20. We have seen the Ravens kind of sputter right around that 20 under 20 ish mark over the past two weeks here with, they put up obviously 19 against Cincinnati and 20 against Buffalo. So I think they'll surpass that here in week six. I think the Giants defense with Don Martindale is underrated. I think the Giants defense will make plays. There'll probably be a couple of batted passes. We saw that against green Bay. The Giants team is resilient. Part of that also has to do with the way their offense has played so far this year. So coming up in our final segment, we'll be diving into the Giants offense going up against the Baltimore defense. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to dive into here on Locked On Ravens. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online And BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for our sports waging information with five betting ups in the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check out all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the BetOnline.net website today or use mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back here, our final segment of Locked On Ravens, rounding out the week. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. Talked about Don Martindale and that Giants defense going up against Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman, and that Ravens offense. But now let's talk a bit about the Giants offense going up against the Ravens defense. Now, when you're the Ravens defense and you see what the Giants have done this season offensively, it's been a lot better than what they did last year. Saquon Barkley is all the way back, and Saquon Barkley is their offense. He is the number one. This is the number one key for me all across the board. Stop Saquon Barkley. (laughs) you got to stop Saquon if you want to win this game. If you're the Ravens, Barkley has been phenomenal 
through five weeks. And again, I know because I have Saquon Barkley in multiple fantasy leagues, which I am very proud of. I kind of called that bounce back as many other people did also. But Saquon this year, 97 carries, 533 yards and three scores on the ground. Also has done some quality work as a receiver, 23 or 23 targets, actually 18 receptions, 143 yards, not a score on through the air, but Barkley has been incredible. He is up him and Nick Chubb have been the best running backs in football this year. They've been, they've been joys to watch. They've been dynamic with the football. They're powerful backs that can also have a little bit of deceptive speed factor to them. Elusive in space are able to make stuff happen after contact. Barkley is your number one concern if you're Baltimore, in my opinion. Now, Baltimore's rush defense has not been inspiring over the past couple of weeks here, which is a little bit concerning, honestly. They have the 26th rated rush defense right now in the NFL per net yards per attempt, given up on the ground. So, you know, guys like Clay Campbell, Justin Matabike, second-level guys, Patrick Queen, Josh Bynes, you got to be able to get Saquon Barkley down and do it at first contact. That's the key here. You know, pile pile on him, get a pile going, make sure he cannot drive and get extra yards, miss tackles I've talked about before. Don't let Saquon juke you out. You know, don't let him do – then he can do it, and he probably, probably will on a couple. He's just that good. But, you know, as much as you can, limit that because we've seen the missed tackles for the Ravens this year, which hasn't been – it hasn't been egregious, but when they do, it seems like guys are able to pick up five, six, seven, eight, nine extra yards, and that really can impact the drive based off a second and short versus second and long. So I'm, I'm stopping Saquon Barkley, that Giants run offense number four in the league right now. But on the contrary, the pass defense is number 32, the worst pass offense in the league right now, net yards per attempt wise. Daniel Jones is at the helm of that. And to the credit of Daniel Jones, he looks a lot better than he did over the first couple of years of his career. This has been a resurgent season, I would say, for Daniel Jones so far on the year. 88 of 132 for 848 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He's not turning the ball over nearly as much. He's being much smarter with the football. But against the Baltimore secondary, it does have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. No Marcus Williams in this one. That that hurts. But you have playmakers in that secondary that I think if the Baltimore pass rush, this is key also, if the Baltimore pass rush can get home, it's going to be really, really important. And how would the Ravens do that? Well, they're going to blitz a lot. Actually, Mike McDonald, in terms of blitz this year, he's number eight in total blitzes with 57 through five weeks and number 21 in blitz percentage at 24.4. So he's doing he's doing it differently than Don Martindale, which I think we anticipated. It wasn't going to be Don Martindale 2.0 in Baltimore. The Ravens wanted to change a little bit of that defensive identity. So Baltimore's going to be able to have to get home with four, get home with even five. If you want to put an extra guy in there to send – yeah, pressure on Daniel Jones, I think, is going to go a long way. I think if you can force him into those mistake throws, sped up clocks, the decisions that come when he really just has to get rid of the ball and he doesn't have any other option, if he tries to force a ball in there, Marcus Peters is a, is a is a god at being able to absolutely confuse quarterbacks. We, we saw it with Deshaun Watson against the Texans, that one where – he faked out Deshaun Watson. Watson thinks, oh, I have an easy 20-yard completion. Peters comes over, has the web gem, and, and he's done that multiple times. Russell Wilson, his first game in Baltimore, he did that for Russell Wilson. He knew the route that was coming, and he anticipated it, and he has the pick six in his first game as a Raven. So Peters has done that multiple times throughout his career. I'm, I'm excited for the secondary matchup because it's, it's interesting. It's almost like strength on weakness versus strength on weakness for the Ravens in terms of – 
defense where you have the Ravens secondary right now. The pass defense has been their strength recently. They're still 21st in pass defense, but recently they have been pretty much lights out. So the strength of the Ravens secondary versus the weakness of the Giants passing offense, but then you have the strength of the Giants rushing offense versus the weakness of the Ravens rushing defense. So it's what we talked about last week with Joe Mixon in that Cincinnati run game, where obviously their run game was a lot worse coming into the week than the Giants is coming into this week. The Bengals had the second worst rush offense in the league coming into last week. So very, very far cry from the fourth best rushing offense in, in New York there. But I think the Giants offensive line is playing better this year than they did last year. I mean, Andrew Thomas has turned into a really good left tackle for them, a really good tackle, excuse me, overall for them. I think that Baltimore is just going to have to be able to rely on guys like Owe and, and Pierre Paul and Matabike, Campbell, Roger Washington, et cetera, to be able to make an impact. We saw the batted balls too. Batted balls can, can change drive. We saw it with Jason Pierre-Paul, back-to-back batted passes. Those balls would have gone for four, five, six yards potentially and making, again, a second and long into a second and medium or second and short. So these guys, the Ravens have length on their defensive line, make Daniel Jones uncomfortable in the pocket, stop Saquon Barkley, make the Giants offense one-dimensional and make it one-dimensional in the way that you want it to be one-dimensional. And that means, you know, if you can take away the pass game, that's that's great, right? Like you can focus, you can stack the box, and, and that's awesome for the run game. But if you take away the run game and make it ineffective and put the Giants in second and long and third and long, I mean, first down defense is going to be really important for them. Where can they force the Giants into? Can they do second and long? Can they do third and long? The Ravens have been great on third down this year. They, they've been really good on third down for the most part. That's been also key. So I think the key downs are first and third down, but don't underestimate second down. You know, if the, if the Giants are in a second down in 10 or second down in nine, and they keep it there, so it becomes third and 10 or third and nine, as opposed to making it a third and four or third and three. Obviously, it's much better when you get them in the third and long. So I'm anticipating a game for the Ravens that honestly goes their way. I think I think Baltimore does win this one. I'm, I'm going to say my final, final, final score prediction is 28-24 Ravens. The Ravens have been kicking a lot of field goals recently. I'm going to pick them to score only touchdowns in this game. I think that we've seen a team that, is getting really close. We're seeing a lot of stuff come together. The settling in period, I think, is coming to a close. We've been through five weeks. It's been over a month. These trends, these early season overreactions or underreactions, they're becoming trends now where this is great, this has to improve, this is mad, this is okay, et cetera, et cetera. When you're through a month of the season, it doesn't become like, oh, let's kind of feel it out a little bit more. Now we're starting to really come to this is a problem or this is a strength or this is a weakness or this is great. So I think one, the Baltimore secondary is settling in. I think two, the run defense needs improvement. I think that's a key concern. I think for the pass offense, it has been fluctuating where it was great to start the year, but it's kind of died down. Lamar Jackson had his two worst games of the season back to back with Buffalo and the Bengals. But I think going up against a little bit of a banged up Giants secondary, the way the Giants offense has been performing this year has been great, but I think the defense will be able to, Hopefully, tune in on Saquon Barkley and make his life a little bit difficult on Sunday. So I'm going 28-24 Ravens, all touchdowns for the Ravens, and a close game too. Don Martino's going to make up for this one. He's going to be a very motivated coach. And it honestly reminds me of Earl Thomas back in 2019 and, and the whole Earl Thomas versus Seattle game where his teammates talked about it and they talked about it after the game where it was like, yeah, we really wanted to get this one for Earl. We really want to win it for Earl. 
And they went out there and I think played motivated for Earl Thomas in that situation. And I remember that being a key storyline, which was, you know, Earl Thomas returning to Seattle after all those years there. And the Ravens went out there and I think they really did. They really went out there and won it for Earl Thomas. But I think the Giants are in a similar situation here with Don Martindale where, you know, Don Martindale has turned that team around. Well, he's been a, he's been a factor in turning that team around. I think they're going to say, hey, let's win it for Wink. Let's go out there and win it for Wink. They're going to play motivated, but I think that Baltimore is hitting their stride in multiple areas. I think if they can improve on a couple others, this would be a game they can win. So I'm picking Baltimore to move to 4-2 and two on the season, maintain their sole possession of the AFC North lead, and, and it'll be a game that's really good. I think, you know, when we were talking about this game, before the season started, it was, oh, the Giants, come on, Daniel Jones, come on, it's going to be a Raven. But now it's actually, I think it's going to be competitive. I think the Giants have proven a lot of people wrong. The NFC East in particular, maybe outside of the Commanders, which, boy, what a Thursday night game that was, by the way, in, in not a good way. Outside of the Commanders, you have Dallas, you have Philly, you have the Giants, too. I think when we're talking about the AFC North, there's a little bit of disappointment compared to what the NFC East has brought this year. But I still think the AFC North crown is going to belong to Baltimore. I'm still I'm still confident in that. And I think it, again, a big win. Lamar Jackson moves to 13-0 against NFC opponents in my prediction here. So, again, final score prediction, 28-24 Ravens. We'll see how it all plays out, though, definitely. That's all I have for you here today, though, on Lockdown Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here on Monday after our two-day break, we'll be diving into everything that happened in the Ravens Week 6 matchup with the Giants. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I will see you right back here on Monday. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.